As educators, we're always looking for those great ideas to bring into our classroom more making and hands-on and STEM skills. Today's guest has lots of those great ideas. Get ready for an amazing episode. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, educators, welcome back to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and glad to be chatting with Kevin White today. He's a middle school STEM teacher out in San Diego, California. You can follow him on Twitter at KevinWhiteSD. You can also check out his website, teachertechrescue.net. And of course, those and some amazing links Kevin has ready to share will be in the show notes as well. A lot of great ideas today. Welcome to the show today, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah. Kevin says he listens to a bunch of them when he goes on a trip and I really appreciate that. We all learn. I learned so much from doing this podcast. We just always want to look for those ideas, right? Absolutely. Yes. I can't I can't even count how many of the tools I've either gotten from your Twitter or your blog and the, you know, the resources. It's like a, a fire hose every week. I'm, I'm getting new stuff coming in from every angle. And I love it. Thanks, Kevin. But I honestly, I can't wait to hear some of the great ideas you have. You're doing some really cool stuff, but you didn't start out as a STEM teacher. Right. Yeah. My, my journey has been uh, vast and I, I'd say I specialize in breadth of, uh, you know, my, my, my teaching experience has covered many, many different uh, subjects and disciplines. So when I got started, I was passionate about history because I had some amazing teachers at my high school. I went to West Hills High School in Santee, California, uh, just a star-studded cast in that social science department. All three of the teachers I had for geography, world history, government, all, all the subjects were just uh, really well-respected people in the community, and they've grown um, out of those roles since, and they're all doing big things. Mm-hmm. People like D- Dave Burgess, Ruben Hoffman, and Dan McDowell um, have just been there, and they've been in my corner every step of the way from you know observations all the way through student teaching and helping me uh, really get started with my career, even though you know when I came into education after I graduated from SDSU, it was right at the beginning of that big crash in 2008 or so. So mm-hmm. There weren't a whole lot of jobs out there, and I spent a lot of time, years, subbing, doing temporary contracts, working at private schools, teaching ESL in the summers. And then finally, I got picked up by a little tiny charter school out in uh, East County. And I spent 10 years there working at an independent study charter, teaching social studies, but also, you know, my first gig there, I was teaching math. And then uh, it moved into STEM very quickly because they had just launched this kind of new thing. Yeah. Uh, and they had this, the, the Project Lead the Way courses were starting to roll out and the pro, uh, the program was growing and I had expressed some interest and they uh, they sent me off to some training. And that was kind of the beginning of all this. And <laughs> I, I really invested some time in t- kind of like integrating technology into social sciences, but I hadn't really gained the experience with STEM and really figuring out, you know, what STEM was until I went to all those Project Lead the Way trainings and kind of got my feet wet with the Gateway to Technology program and also intro to engineering design. Yeah. And, and a lot of educators are listening to some of these things. And they're like, yeah, I, I recognize some of those same career paths. And, you know, one of the things that you said, you you subbed in a lot of schools, you were in a lot of different situations and, and things like that. And that can be a really good experience for an educator, which we may think, oh, it was so hard and difficult, but but just to see how are people doing it at different schools? And and sometimes if we're if we spend a lot of time at one school, we maybe maybe miss out on seeing all the different people doing it in all different ways and and picking and finding those those great things to to build our future career. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to sit in into classrooms that where veteran teachers have been building these curriculums in some cases for 10 or 20 years and, you know, getting exposure to the kinds of units that they were using on a regular basis. I feel like that really introduced me to how project-based learning should look at it at the high level. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for having had that experience, even though it was a struggle, it was all worth it. Yeah. And right now you're teaching STEM at that middle school level, and you're really doing a lot of things that are based on that project-based learning style model. So first off, kids just love that STEM subject. They love coming to class. You've even got where you teach them in multiple years, right? Absolutely. Yeah. My current role, I recently switched and I'm now in San Diego Unified School District. I work at Dave Portola Middle School and I have a huge STEM lab. It's about the size of three traditional classrooms. They just kind of broke down some of the walls. So I've got a wood shop on one side. I've got kind of an active learning space on the other side. And in the middle, we have a classroom and uh, we we have dozens of different resources and machines in there like most of the STEM classrooms do. But I would say even more so we have, I think, about 16 3D printers in there right now. Some of them in a bit of disrepair, but uh, most of them up and running at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, we're working on all kinds of great projects that incorporate all those machines, but also the, the concept of design thinking and how you really go from just an idea in your head and manifest that vision for yourself. Yeah. And, and a lot of educators think, oh, STEM, it's it's fun. It's exciting. The kids love it. It's fun. It's exciting. It's hands-on. But if it's only just about the project you do, the the thing that you create, you're, you're missing out on, on the real reason for doing those projects. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like taking students through a design process and really making them generate concepts and make sure that they're fine tuning their developed solution is it's really about going through the process more so than making sure every student has this perfectly finished thing at the end that all looks exactly the same, which yeah. I think in a lot of cases is what people think STEM is. I think it's a kit that comes out of a box and you all build it together. And then maybe there's a little bit of discussion at the end, but in, you know, in the case with the different types of things that I have available in my classroom with the laser table, with the three 3d printers and with the other creative machines that we have in there, uh, the, you know, the synapses that are firing off and the kids have their own ideas. So I like to let them kind of run wild with their imagination and really try to create what, uh, you know, what they want and also kind of, you know, guide them along the way to make sure that they're using that process correctly. Yeah. And using those skills that you're teaching. And, and often they're bringing those in from that math class that, like you said, you used to teach math and that that history class that you were passionate about. And so if we can draw in some of those pieces from those other things, whether we're the STEM teacher or we're the teacher talking to the STEM teacher saying, hey, can you draw this in? Can you bring this in and get those subjects to overlap? And, and you're really doing a, a lot of amazing different types of projects. Share with us some of those because I'm excited when I get to hear some of these ideas and, and think of how I could maybe do them or kind of tweak them to, to fit with my students. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my classic projects I've been using for many, many years now is the on-shape chess set. And I know that you're a Tinkercad guy. Yep. I, I love on-shape and uh, full disclosure, I am now an on-shape ambassador, but uh, I don't get paid or anything. Uh, I, you know, right. I got maybe a free t-shirt and a mug, but I, I don't uh, do it because uh, you know I get anything out of it. I do it because I love the product and what they're able to do it for my students. Because right. when students are able to use a tool at a professional level and mm-hmm. they can still access it on something like a Chromebook and you and, and still continue learning on their own at home. And they're coming to me at, at, at first thing in the morning when they get to school and they want to 3D print something they spent all night creating. Yeah. You know, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me motivated. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that first one, the, the on-shape chess set is one that I've been doing for many years that I've had great success with. And and just if an educator's like, oh, I've never heard of on shape. So uh free online CAD, basically similar to Tinkercad, but but different. 
Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a parametric uh, modeling platform. It's used for mechanical engineering, but you can use it for almost anything that you want to create a 3D model for. So mm -hmm. I have students that build, you know, um, anything from a figurine or possibly a mechanical system or something for one of their classes. I had students who were popping in who weren't even in my class uh, last week because they were working on a mousetrap car in their science classes and they had ideas for what they wanted for the wheels. And of course, you know, I was going to sit down with them and I opened up on shape with them for the first time. And within minutes, I had, you know, had them designing, you know, customizing their own wheels in there. So on shape is a really powerful tool in that regard, because on top of just being able to make like one thing, you can also assemble things and really dial in the, the details and like the things like, you know, beyond uh, dimension, you can do instancing and create nice patterns in there and really do high level engineering that some of the other CAD platforms just, uh, you know, don't quite get to. Yep. And educators, if you want to try that out on shape.com, real easy to find it. And yeah, yeah. and honestly, some, like you said, I mean, just put a kid in front of it, tell them about that resource, tell them about that website. And sometimes that's going to be uh, just enough to to spark and, and get that going. So yeah, that sounds cool. Making just a chess set like that. Yeah. Lots more ideas, right? Yeah. Beyond the chess set, you know, every kid in my class 3D prints a chess set if they choose to after they create it. And each one is unique. They've all got their own cool little pieces and figurines. Some of the horses end up looking more like sea monsters and others <laughs> maybe look like dragons. But who cares? You know, it's all about the process and it's all about getting that experience. And if it's what they want their chess set to look like, that's what, you know, that's what counts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some other cool projects I've been working on for a couple of years now. Uh, I do virtual reality with my mm -hmm. students and we we have these virtual museums that we create so that's an exciting project i wasn't able to do last year that i want to get back to this year so virtual museums are something that i've been passionate about for a long time uh, at san diego state university I actually teach a course on virtual reality imaginary worlds and the future of learning mm -hmm. and so that's a course that i have primarily educators are in there with me learning about how to apply this to learning design and really make sure that virtual reality and other extended realities are something they can be successful with in their classrooms but also there's a, another side of it where i have people coming in from the training industry even from military oh, yeah. backgrounds and all kinds of other corporate backgrounds yeah. to learn about how VR is being used today. Now, Virtual Museum Project has always been a hit because you you open up the door and say, you know, find something you're passionate about. Maybe you want to make a museum about skateboarding or maybe you want to make a museum about, you know, uh, crafting or, you know, whatever direction you want to take it in, you can mm -hmm. make a museum for it. So mm -hmm. it opens up lots of opportunities for them to kind of show me who they are and also celebrate the kinds of things that they're interested in through this lens of STEM and also virtual reality, which every kid's super interested in right now. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, we're coming from a Minecraft generation that, you know, has been making and creating with 3D tools almost i would say most of their lives in this case. right and so jumping into a system like I, we use code spaces to create this uh, okay. if you've never heard of code spaces before it's a virtual reality development tool that's really powerful that allows you to integrate code with 3d modeling and also you can build really a uh, dynamic 360 uh, photo scenes and there's a lot of potential there for development not just with vr but you can also use it as a simulator for gaming and things like that as a gaming engine so uh, a lot of cool stuff under the hood there all right. So educators, you got that idea, right? I mean, you, even if you can't have your own set of VR headsets in your classroom, you can still be developing, creating those online and um, and getting those ready and, and find some VR sets in your in your school. If you're not familiar with those, ask around, find another teacher that's used them. Sometimes the kids are going to be the ones that are going to know how to use those uh, even even more than some of the teachers at your school. You've also do some stuff with robotics and wearable electronics and things too, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah, we just finished a unit with wearable electronics. And I, uh, again, I, I like to kind of let them manifest their own vision. I could tell them all to make a little bow tie or something with lights on it, but that that's not what they're all into. So I've got some kids who made, you know, one, one kid made a, a spinny hat with a motor on top and two airplanes <laughs> that spin around his head. I had another kid who made a, 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 a wristwatch that lights up with a pattern they hooked up to an Arduino. So mm -hmm. the lights all blink at different rates. Uh, some kids were building in randomization code and things like that in Arduino. And still others were, you know, go, going above and beyond and building like a 3D printable housing that you could strap on your arm for an armband with a timer on it. So all kinds of interesting concepts coming out of these wearable electronics that I would have never been able to dream up or think of myself because it's all about their vision and their creativity. Yeah. And educators are thinking, wow, some of these ideas, I'm, I'm thinking that would be really cool or, hey, I want to learn more or see what that really looks like. Head to Twitter at Kevin White SD. You're going to find some of these projects. You've been sharing those things on there. But I got to ask you about this one. Laser cut cyborg surgery. <laughs> how, you, how, do you, how do you have kids doing surgery like that? Yeah, so this one, uh, I, I came across Kane's Arcade, I think the cardboard arcade that the kid mm -hmm. made, I think it was in LA. Um, mm -hmm. I think you or someone, one, some, you shared from someone else, and it, it kind of sparked this idea in my head of making games with kids. And so I wanted to do something that incorporate electronics into the game. Yeah. And I thought back to the classic game operation. So the classic mm -hmm. game operation is actually a very simple circuit to design. But if yeah. students want to, you could you have you have options with LEDs and uh, audible you know sound that you can create with that. And also, if you wanted to hook up an Arduino to it, you could get really complex with the kinds of things you want to add to that. So that'll be hopefully also scaffolding some of the things we're going to be doing later in the course. But the cyborg surgery idea they make in Adobe Illustrator uh, a graphic of a, a whatever they want to, as their cyborg is their design. Yeah. And they design that and they cut out the cavities using the laser cutter for the little holes where the little operation, uh, they call them ailment tokens, right? The ailment tokens. In this case, for a robot, we're not using things like bones or other things. We're using actually electronic components. So I'm putting resistors, LEDs, and this helps to reinforce the academic language exactly. electronics components. So um, this is a really fun project that I just kind of uh, launched this year. And it was a big success, but uh, very tedious with only one laser to get the whole <laughs> class for you know, multiple classes done. So I recommend if you can uh, try to make sure you manage your time well for a project. If you have one machine, uh, it's always a challenge to get things done. Fortunately, lasers are a lot faster than 3D printing. Right. And I'm thinking too, Kevin, you know, that's where you got to figure out how to stagger it from one class, you know, one class doing the project now and one class going to do it later on in the year and stuff. I, um, you you actually have kids that can they can take that STEM class again with you that second year, right? And just what a big difference there is when you go from that first year to that second year. Yeah, absolutely. When kids come in with that second year of CAD skills, code skills, design thinking, and they understand the process, the kinds of things that they're able to generate, and also the kinds of things you're able to hopefully show other kids in the class, you know, when kids are stuck, and, you know, I'll run around the classroom like a chicken with my head cut off trying to help every kid, you know, understand where to click. I'm like, hey, Sam, or Eva, or someone, go, you know, uh, help out these kids who, you know, need, need a little guidance, they need to know how to use this new software tool. Um, yeah. It's it's very helpful to have those kids with that background. But um, yeah, the kinds of projects we can jump up to at a second year level after a full year of STEM and then getting another year on top of that really opens up mm -hmm. lots of uh, advanced opportunities. Yeah. Now you mentioned the whole run around a classroom like a chicken with their head cut off. And and I feel that like that so many times and so many STEM educators do more so even than just a, you know, a typical educator who's not even teaching a STEM subject because there's so many projects and so many things and, and things don't always go right. 
Yeah, uh, everyone's had a project or two blow up in their face, or sometimes uh, we don't have the time to try everything out ourselves ahead of time. And we're, we're maybe building it as we go with the students, or in some cases, there's an error in the instructions or something that just doesn't seem to make sense. And we've mm -hmm. got to diagnose it together and sit down side by side with the kid. Yeah. Or sometimes you just got to pivot, you know, and you got to mm -hmm. take things in a different direction. We've yeah. all been in that situation where things just, you know, don't quite work out perfectly. But that's part of the, you know, that's the, the water that we swim in every day in STEM. Yeah. And, and you tried a project and you even had to like cancel it because it didn't work. Yeah. Many years ago we tried, we, it was a, a very unfortunate set of events. So we were trying to launch a brand new geography tech course at the last school I was at while simultaneously another school in the same neighborhood had closed. So enrollment doubled and we also had to like just throw classrooms together. We were renting out space from the neighbors next door as my classroom. And so the Wi-Fi just would not connect. So we had this brand new course. We we're really excited to launch and we ended up having to drop out, um, you know, the, the, the tech component of that course, unfortunately, because wow. we just could not, we just could not get connected. But, yeah. but again, kids learn from that too. They see, Hey, we tried something that didn't work. You know, the industry is filled with that uh, each and every day. Businesses are trying and failing and, and so important that we are, are willing to do that as educators and, and, too. Like you mentioned earlier, Kevin, just, hey, can you help? Hey, can you help? And getting those kids empowered to be able to, to be helping each other out in our classrooms is so good. So how about the future of STEM education? I know that as we see more and more schools adding that STEM education, it sounds like you have a, really a phenomenal place to be able to use and work with kids. But what do you hope? What do you what do you want it to become, especially in, in your context where, where you're working? Yeah, the, the word empowerment is a huge buzzword in education right now, but it, it truly is what I want my students to leave the course with. I want them to be able to know that if they have an idea and they have something that they can use as a solution, whether it's something as simple as like 3D printing a bracket for something at home that's broken or mm -hmm. that needs uh, reinforcement or something as complicated as like going into your neighborhood and trying to use that same design process to solve a social problem by hashing it out with your, you know, your community to try and really get to the root of the problem and, you know, generate concepts and try and build something or create something physical. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I want my students to feel like they have the potential to go out in the world and create at a near professional level. Yeah. And I, I think that that's ambitious as a middle school teacher, but many <laughs> of my students in middle school are leaving with the same skills that I had students leaving within 12th grade years ago. So yeah. uh, I think that we are getting to the point where the technologies are getting easier and easier to use, yeah. and we're accelerating the learning and really pushing these these kids uh, in the middle school level to to really create in an authentic way. Yeah, and that's and, really what I want for them. Yeah, and to think about how much impact those kids are going to have when they when they get to high school or when they finish high school and and head to a, a college or or job out there, they're already going to have some incredible skills that, like you said, years ago, you know, we could only dream of having even after a college education. So it's it's really really fun to see what those kind of things are happening. And a uh, question I'd love to ask everybody, Kevin, if you could have somebody be that ultimate guest speaker in your classroom from STEM, past or present, who would, who would you just love to have come in and, and just talk with your kids? Yeah, mine's probably a tie because I, I had a feeling you're going to ask me this one. Uh, I've heard many people already have used Ben Franklin because he's both, you know, he fits so well under my umbrella of like social science and STEM and yeah. you know, really creative guy. But as like uh, one that I think will align well with some of your interests based on the posts and things I've seen you throw out there is uh, Orville Wright. 
So I just read a biography last summer on the Wright brothers, and it really got me pumped for the glider unit we did this year. So I think that would be a, make for a really interesting dinner conversation to sit down with Orville Wright or have Orville Wright come in as a guest speaker. Yeah. The reason why Orville and not Wilbur is because Wilbur passed away a little bit earlier. So I think Wilbur would have a, a you know a bigger story to tell. Yeah. So I, I think it's a uh, really great to look back in history and look at those people who were really the pioneers of yeah. you know what we get to experience every day and take yeah. Care of. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, especially for you, Kevin, coming from that that history, that social studies background, you bring in and you think about those things in, in that way. You think through STEM with that history lens. And, and that's such an important piece that we don't always hit on in our classrooms. And that's something that we can definitely bring in a little bit more. So I, I really appreciate that, Kevin. Now, We've shared a whole bunch of ideas, but I, I know you got so many more great ideas. We're going to throw a bunch of links in the show notes for this one, some other things that, that Kevin's really uh, loves sharing. And, and again, um, definitely keep following him on, on Twitter at Kevin White SD or head to teachertechrescue.net. You can connect with him and more there. But any other last thoughts or any other last things you just love to share? You just really want to make sure that educators know about. Uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the cool tools I came across this year, I had a student that wanted to make things that were 3D printable, but not like mechanical. Uh, they wanted to make organic kind of bodies and, you know, avatars. And hmm. uh, we came across this tool called Nomad Sculpt. And I'll give a shout out to Anthony White, one of the people I met on Twitter who recommended Nomad Sculpt. And if you are, are looking for something that where you can kind of shape things with clay, Nomad Sculpt is free. And uh, there's also a paid for version, but you can export your stuff as STL or OBJ. So really very cool tool to check out Nomad Sculpt if you get some time. Also, Polycam is another really great one. You can do 3D scanning with that and take your 3D scan files and upload them to Onshape and build right inside of the environment you want to. So I'm working currently on a, a van build and I'm working on some cabinets and stuff like that in there. So I, I was able to scan the inside of my van and build the 3D objects into the cavities for the windows instead of having to get the measuring tape and cardboard out and make all these you know different uh, jigs and uh, templates. So uh, really powerful tools out there. A lot of them wow. are free and easy to use. Yeah. Wow. I'm thinking of that polycam and and we just did the you know owl pellet dissection in eighth grade science. And I'm thinking, boy, if they could scan like all the bones and skull pieces that they took apart and be able to manipulate those in three-dimensional space, kind of put them together almost as if they're, like, they're an archaeologist or something, that'd be really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that would work well for that. I'm gonna have to definitely check that out. So, and I know you you do a lot of different things. Like you said, you, you're teaching it at San Diego State University. So go Aztecs. Any other last thoughts? Any other just last advice for the educators out there as they as they're thinking? You know, wow, Kevin sounds like he's got it all together. He's got a huge lab. He's got all these really cool projects. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm at that level yet. You know, how do I, how do I have a little bit of confidence? Yeah, it's all about growing that PLN, a lot of the tools that I've used. And I, I joke around with my students, you know, I might have the master's degree and bachelor's degree, but a lot of the stuff that I teach my students is stuff that I learned on Twitter and YouTube. So, you know, it's all about being ambitious and trying to get out there and making sure that you're, you know, pushing the envelope and testing things out before you get out there with your students and, and really accelerating the learning that's happening. Um, and one last thing, if you are interested in taking my course at SDSU, you don't have to be an SDSU student. You can enroll in one of our certificate programs. If you're interested in joining uh, the learning design tech community at San Diego State, uh, the link will be in the show notes. So if you want to yeah. take that virtual reality and education course, uh, love to have you in there. That's awesome. And you can also check out some of the virtual museum sites that you were talking about from, from CoSpace as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying those out. So Absolutely. Uh, Kevin White, really appreciate you being on the show today and all the best as you just keep on inspiring those kids with some, uh, some really uh, great skills you're helping them learn. Thank you so much, Chris. And always a pleasure to 
connect with you in any capacity and great to get to see you face to face. All right. Thanks again. And uh, definitely connect with Kevin at Kevin White SD on Twitter or teachertechrescue.net. And you can find out more. And again, click on some of those links in the show notes as well. Don't just say, oh, this was great. You know, I'm just going to move on and, and keep on going. But uh, definitely try out some of those projects and, and ideas as well. Remember, if you need to connect with me, head to dailystem.com. I'm always happy to help. Uh, we're all here from each other. And uh, we all do so much better for our kids when we're when we're sharing those great ideas, like Kevin mentioned so many times today. Don't forget to subscribe to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Leave a review. It helps more educators to find out about it. And until next time, again, just keep on doing that most important job, educators. We are helping build that next generation of kids to do those amazing careers that that world needs.